Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements. Anything you could think of to support your outdoor activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with one of the co-founders of Parlor Skis, Mark Wallace. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, Josh, I'm excited to be here. All right, so for the uh, listener that has yet to hear about Parlor Skis, how would you best describe Parlor to them? Sure, so uh, Parlor is the largest ski manufacturer in New England. Uh, we build all of our skis to order here in our East Boston factory. Uh, we focus on creating a really high quality laminate construction ski, so a race style ski, but with an all mountain flavor to it. So, you know, we go from 78 underfoot all the way up to 120, uh, but all of our skis are, are designed to carve. And we uh, we also do custom graphics on most of the skis. So it's interesting. You're, you're talking about building skis in Boston, which I'm sure is like a head turner on its own, right? What made you guys pick Boston as, as your, your base of operation? Yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting place, right? Because, you know, a lot of ski manufacturers have a mountain in their backyard. But Boston's sort of amazing on a lot of fronts. One is that uh, we have access to a lot of the customer base who skis in new england you know a lot of people are close to 495 inside 495 and they're looking for that piece of ski culture here in boston and uh, we also have some great access to you know not only our our customers and our clients but also a lot of resources that you may not have uh, as you move further out of the city example of that is you know we have some pretty amazing software you know, backend software that sits behind our product that, you know, has been aided by a lot of the startups here. Um, and, you know, we're able to work closely with some of the universities here in Boston. And uh, it's just really been a nice sort of central location to to grow our business from. That's really awesome. So tell me a little bit about your background. Um, how, how did you get into skiing and then eventually decide that you're going to start a ski company? Yeah, so I grew up in the sport. I grew up ski racing uh, in Maine and then Utah. I raced all throughout college and uh, competed in the the Noram Europa Cup tour semi-professionally for a few years after college. Um, I then took a break and went to work for a construction company. I was building uh, restaurants for several years. And uh, this was really kind of the perfect... I, I realized that people were... Actually, one of my co-founders convinced me that people were building smaller batch skis. Um, and it, it was sort of the perfect business for us because in a lot of ways it allowed me to build things It allowed me to talk to people about skiing. And we really felt like we had something to offer at this point in time, which is around 2009. Um, if you wanted a laminate construction, all mountain ski, you basically had to buy the vocal mantra. It was the only real option in that sort of mid fat category. 
And uh, and we felt like there there should be more options and that there was also an opportunity to build a brand um, that had a real New England identity and that, that could kind of uh, grow from that community because it's such a strong ski community out here, especially with sort of those roots in carving and racing. Um, and so that's what that's what led us to start prototyping in 2009 and launch the business in 2013. That's really awesome. So from a young age, did you have an idea that you wanted to start some kind of business? Yeah, you know, I don't think I'm that I was that prototypical lemonade stand entrepreneur person. You know, I've always uh, I've always had a little bit of issue with authority um, and don't don't really like having uh, a boss, so to speak. So I think that that in some ways I knew that I wasn't going to find my way into a you know, either a bigger ski company or sort of like a, a regular corporate job. Um, but I don't think I had a sense that, you know, uh, that this was the one thing that, that I've always sort of been destined to do or, or that I had to, to build something. Right, right. Now, looking at parlor skis, like obviously there are, there are quite a few up and coming ski makers out there, especially in the U.S. What really differentiates you from all the others? Uh, I mean, I think there are a couple pieces, right? I mean, we're really focused on uh, fit first and foremost. So I think we do a really good job of understanding our clientele and we've created a lineup that uh, that meets their needs. Uh, every pair of skis that we sell, uh, the customer either talks to myself or one of my partners and we ensure that that fit is correct. Um, you know, we back that up with the highest quality materials uh, that you can buy and a really hands-on uh, construction process. So every pair of skis that leaves here, um, you know, is super durable and, and we know is going to last well. I also think that we, um, we do graphics differently than a lot of the, certainly the major players, but some of the custom builders as well, a lot of them will have a selection of, of graphics to choose from, whereas you actually, with us, you work with one of our uh, in-house graphic designers and come up with a completely unique graphic. Um, and you don't really have to have any technical expertise or even sort of artistic inclination in order to create a custom top sheet through Parlor. Um, there are other companies that do that, but I think we do that really well and our design team is, is really talented. Um, and I think sort of the last point on what sets us apart and and what makes my job so much fun is the community of people that we get to work with on a daily basis. So just the parlor, we call them the parlor faithful, right? The par parlor clientele are some of the most enthusiastic and, defer and diverse skiers that I've ever met. Um, and I've been in this sport for a long time and sharing their experiences with them and building them skis that allow them to have better days on the mountain um is hugely rewarding and, and definitely keeps us motivated here so tell me a little bit about the community how does it how does it really work like obviously you guys have your facility your factory in boston um what is the the kind of um community like yeah so it's it's very uh i mean sort of obviously it's pretty diverse, right? But like I said, the theme that unites them is sort of their passion for the sport. And I mean, we have uh, carpenters and and teach and uh, you know teachers, and we have hedge fund managers, and we have celebrities, you know. And and I think a lot of people sort of gravitate to the brand who are who really care about their products, right? So the way it works, though, is you know when you, I, I mean, I was riding a lift in Park City. 
the other day with uh with randomly with a client who was out there and uh, he said since i've been in utah i've had four people ski under me on the lift and yell like hey nice parlors right like it's halfway across the country you know and it's just people recognize the brand they care about it they know what it means if you have a pair of those skis um and and people end up skiing together having beers together we do a lot of events here within new england uh there are a lot of chances to sort of interact with and get to know uh both the people who work here and the other people who buy skis from us and so i mean there's obviously a digital component as well right um you know, social media and digital and all that stuff. But, you know, most of the community happens on the mountain or spending time with friends or, or here in the shop. Definitely. Now, in those early years, like obviously you spent a few years from 09 to 2013, kind of like fine tuning the whole manufacturing process to the point where you're comfortable with the product that you were producing. How did you go about really growing Parlor and getting the word out there? Like, were people like, what are you crazy? Why would you start a, a ski company in Boston? Like, how did you really get that initial momentum going? Yeah, I mean, we had we had a lot of that. Um, I mean, starting, I mean, hard goods, this is a tough business, right? I mean, you're up against some really big, well-established companies here. Um, but at the same time, that creates a lot of opportunity, right? Because people consumers now and certainly you know consumers that are you know following you guys and paying attention to the things that you do you know they want connection they want an understanding of the product and they understand that that sort of passion quality that goes into those smaller brands is really important um but it was i mean when you write the business plan and you say you're going to grow organically or you know grassroots that like looks good um the implementation of that is really hard and it takes a lot of work um and that's what we did, though. I mean, we really focused on providing a quality product out of the gate, which is why we took um, three or four years to really work on that process. We brought in some of the we're all sort of engineers by default now, but not by training. Um, and we brought in some of the top engineers in the business. We did some, you know, really interesting stuff on getting our process dialed in as well as the product. Um, in those four years before we launched, because we saw uh, a lot of a lot of companies, a lot of startups um, in the ski world have had a lot of issues with that. And if you come out with a product that's not durable and that isn't working early on, it's very difficult to overcome that later. Um, so we focused on our product and then we really just dialed into that community. We tried to provide the best service we could. Um, we're super authentic about how much we love the sport and how much we want to talk about it. And, you know, that's just been building year over year, right? I mean, uh, this year, almost half of our business was repeat and referral. Uh, and so as our customer base continues to grow, I mean, that's provided a huge amount of growth just just doing that. Well, that's a really good sign <laughs> that you're getting that much. It's a good number. Um, yeah. And we got to guess we got to find some new people, though, too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, they'll just keep telling their friends. That's what's been happening. That's really awesome. So tell me a little bit about the ski building class that you guys also do in the summertime. How did you guys come up with this idea and how has it really developed over time? Yeah, so it's a just quick overview on it. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like, but you actually work with us over two days or three evenings uh, at our factory and you build your own custom pair of skis. Uh, and you, you think about it, it's not, it is very DIY, but there's no we don't let you make mistakes, right? So it's more like assembling your own Camaro engine um, as opposed to like, you know, building, I don't know, slapping something together in your barn, right? It's very like, it's a 
you're acting as one of our team members and putting the skis together and doing the whole process. Um, the idea loosely came from uh, from our our buddies up at Crane Surfboards in Maine, uh, who've been doing build your own surfboard classes for years. And uh, Mike and John up there kept saying, "Yo, you guys should do the class." And we said, "Well, it's going to be really hard. I don't know if it's what we want to do." And uh, so we we tried it out with a group uh, with a group of our you know, clients, but relatively close friends at the time. And, and they just had an amazing experience and we've been doing it for, this will be our fifth year. Um, and we've been sold out for the last three years. I mean, it's really, it's really a, for a skier or a ski enthusiast, it's an opportunity or somebody who's always wanted to build their own skis or maybe, you know, bought some materials, but never got it all together. Um, you know, for fifteen hundred bucks, you get that experience and a world class pair of skis. And I know you mentioned you played around with it earlier. And uh, you know, it takes it takes ten to twenty pairs of skis if you're doing it on your own before you get something that's serviceable. Um, and it definitely costs a lot more than fifteen hundred bucks. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> we so were, yeah. So I think that you know that's and it's been the growth around it has really been fueled by our client base asking for more information you know how to like how do you guys do this how do we how do we understand more how do we you know participate on a deeper level right and so we just opened the doors to our shop and said well you want to come build skis like we'll show you how to do it and it's uh it's a also a totally different kind of work um tyler is one of our business partners is an amazing educator in addition to being a really great uh builder and production manager and so having that skill set in house is just like in being able to offer really quality instruction to our customers is uh it's just a unique thing that that um we love doing yeah and i'm sure the people that do that class have just a much higher sort of love for the pair of skis that they're building right <laughs> they definitely well and they get asked every lift ride right where'd you get those skis and then well it's well i built them but you know it's <laughs> it's like the ultimate trump card on somebody with a cool pair of skis like nobody gets to say that right that's, they didn't get to build their stokeleys that's so so true you know the few pairs that i rode um that we made people would be like where'd you get those <laughs> like i built them in my garage <laughs> 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 definitely don't look as pretty as uh, as parlor skis though <laughs> um okay so over time things really kind of connected you built the community um who would you say is really kind of the perfect customer for, for parlor? Cause like, obviously you started skiing, but now you guys also make snowboards. Um, so who really is that perfect kind of customer for you guys? Uh, my art, like I said before, our customer base kind of continues to defy our attempts to classify them from a marketing standpoint. Um, I, it's really something we offer a lot of different things to different people. Some people care about being built in America. Some people care about the customization, you know, some people just their friends won't shut up about it. So they come in here, but you know, anybody who's passionate about the sport and who wants to have better days on the mountain, um, is really a great customer as far as I'm concerned. So walk me through the process. Like say I'm like a customer or someone who's potentially interested in buying a pair of parlors um you know i hop on your site i see that you guys offer like a bunch of like sort of standard models that kind of give you a jumping off point but how do you guys really work through the whole process with like really making sure that the ski is perfect for them yeah so there we basically have two tiers right we have our limited edition product which are uh popular combinations of custom builds 
Um, and we sort of offer those in limited runs. And that's uh, at 975, which is sort of our most accessible price point. And you're still getting all the parlor quality in the name uh, at that price point, but without the customization. Um, and you can just order those straight through the website. All of our other orders require a fitting. So um, that's either done over email, phone, or in person at the shop uh, and before or after purchase. So if you want to get skis from us, you'll end up talking to me. And we'll have a, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 minute conversation. Um, I often look at video of them skiing or stills. We talk a lot about where they're going to ski, what type of terrain they're on, what, uh, you know, what they're focusing on in their skiing, what they'd like to do better, um, skis they'd like in the past. And, you know, because I've been involved in the design of all the skis and I spend a ton of time with our clients on the hill, um, we're very good at pairing those uh, those two sides, right? The needs of the customer with the technical specs of the custom ski. Uh, after we're done figuring out length, shape, outline, all that, uh, we'll hand you over to our graphic design team and you'll work one-on-one -on -one with them uh, to come up with a top sheet. Usually takes three or four sort of back and forth drafts, initial draft, a couple revisions. Um, and then once you're happy with that, you approve the design and the skis go downstairs and uh, two to three weeks later, uh, we will have completed the build process and the skis are ready for pickup or shipping. That's so awesome. Now, uh, over the course of this journey, what's really been the hardest part about building Parlor? Uh, I don't know what the hardest part is. I mean, there are, I mean, physical products uh, create a lot of challenges. I think probably sales is, honestly the hardest thing um and just you know having patience right that it's gonna believing in what you're doing and and uh and being able to be around for a while right because um the other thing with is the buying cycle on skis i mean we have a handful of customers who buy two or three pairs every year um you know but most people buy a pair of skis once every two to seven or eight years right maybe uh and so if you catch somebody, even if they're super into your brand, who's off cycle, uh, you know, you need to be around for a little while in order for them to, to get ready to buy. So patience has been a tough thing. Um, I think, you know, building physical products, it's not like software, right? You can't sell it a thousand times. You've got to build each one. You've got to train your staff. You've got to retain quality employees. Um, you know, and they're just running a business and involves a lot of challenges. You get a lot of personalities involved. Definitely, especially with manufacturing. Um, it's it's just a whole nother layer to the business that, you know, like for us, we're digital where we don't have to really think about that piece. So I always say that manufacturing is so much harder. There's just so much more complexity to it. Uh, yeah, and at the same time, though, I mean, it's like, you know, manufacturing skis, as you're aware, too, is not, it's like five businesses, right? So, you know, we have, uh, I tell people this all the time, but we, I mean, we have a carpentry shop, right? We have a digital, we have a dye sublimation printing shop. We have a ski finishing and tuning shop, right? And then we have like a fiberglass lamination shop. So, right, I mean, right. each element of building a pair of skis is so different than the other ones um, that it's like, and there's a different equipment involved in all those things. And so there's some, there's some complexity to that too. That's like, you know, if you do... I don't know. Like if you make beer, you just make beer, right? <laughs> you <don't, laughs> yeah. You don't also make, you know, 
pizza and you know jello and and whatever so <laughs> so so true not to take away from beer i realize it's very complicated <laughs> very very true um okay so obviously you guys have your own manufacturing facility you build everything in-house how do you guys keep uh sustainability in mind yeah that's a good question so uh i mean full disclosure uh ski building is not particularly green uh and so there are some challenges around that i mean there's there's definitely tension there um but that being said we do as much as we can so we uh a lot of our we use a bio resin um in our skis which is not only better for our employees laying it up uh but it's it's better for the world right it's using plant uh plant base as opposed to a petroleum base on the resin uh, we're able to divert a lot of our wood core cutoffs uh, into uh, kindling, and we bundle those up and give those out. Uh, we reuse a lot of our uh, top sheet die sub printouts as packaging material. So if you get a pair of skis, it's likely to be wrapped in somebody else's graphic um, <laughs> from us. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, anything we can do to keep stuff out, out of the landfill. And then, you know, we try to, we, I mean, a lot of people have multiple skis for us, but we try to build quality products that last a long time um, because the best thing you can do for the environment is not buy the next product, right? So, you know, if you can, if you can have a ski that lasts longer, uh, you know, you're immediately cutting down on the amount of impact that that ski is having. So sort of a different way to think about it but you know if you can have have a ski that's going to be around longer the ski doesn't end up in the landfill and obviously all the shipping of materials and stuff to get it here is is reduced as well um we do also source as much of our as many of our materials as locally as possible um which is not all that easy to do but i think last time i ran analysis on it about 70 percent of the material in the ski is domestic for us um and so and even some of the stuff that comes from europe is routed through a north american distributor uh you know to lessen obviously the amount of jet fuel that is soaked into the ski such as it is right 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 now over the last couple of years what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes that you made with parlor uh we're perfect in every way we don't make mistakes of course here. i expect nothing less <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, we've, we've juggled our product line around a little bit, uh, to try to find out what works best. Um, and I think that we haven't been as clear in communicating that as, as we could have been. Um, I, and I, so that's sort of one mistake I would say, um, you know, we try, we've been pretty disciplined about uh trying to fail in little ways and not big ways and so we have an approach to testing new products or to marketing or all these things where we want to we want to do a quick test and fail quickly and and learn something from that and then sort of shape our decisions based on that so we've made a lot of little missteps along the way and knock on wood um you know that attitude has allowed us to i think sidestep some bigger mistakes uh that would have been you know more costly to us as a company uh, as sort of a non-answer but um still good <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, 
that's what that's what I got. I, I think I've mentally suppressed a lot of our uh, our glaring mistakes. Um. It's definitely <laughs> uh, it's it's a nice way of getting through it because like with any business, there's just always so many that you just got to be like, all right, we're learning, we're learning. <laughs> that's all. Uh, and you know, and, and I mean, we've hired, we've had some. I mean, not everyone we've hired. We we have an amazing team here, and we work with some awesome people. Um, not everyone we've hired has been great. Um, you know, and I talked with one of my friends who's a GE executive and, uh, he said, you know, hiring's really tough. He's like, uh, usually people, usually people who are good at it, get it right about 40% of the time. And if you really work at it, you can get it right half the time. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so, so true. It's such, because yeah. building a business and hiring someone t- require two totally different skill sets. It's also seasonal, right? And so, I mean, if we could smooth our demand, I mean, one of the reasons we do the class, right? But um, good people, there's not a lot of unemployment right now and good people want jobs that are 365 days a year. And we don't have that. All of our positions aren't year round, right? And that makes it a lot harder. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. Um, so, I, so I guess you guys kind of have to go through that process every year to a certain extent. Well, we've been growing 40% a year, right? So the combination of those two things mean, uh, yeah, we're, we get a lot of resumes uh, here because it's a fun place to work and people want to be in this industry. Um, but we are, I mean, we're, we're continuing to add to the team, which is one of the things that allows us to have some really good people here. So that means that you're an expert at hiring people now, right? <laughs> yeah, 50%. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or just a business in general? Uh, I would say just just do it and don't think that the business has to be complete when you launch it. Right. It's not a building a business is a very iterative uh, thing. And I think that also, people tend to think that starting a business requires what you see on Shark Tank or what you see on, uh, you know, what you read about with Lyft or Uber or, you know, huge investors and VCs and pitch decks and PDA. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty I'm involved in the startup community here in Boston. Right. Just because it's kind of who we are, and what we're part of. And, you know, as a, I'll definitely mentor some younger companies and. Um, and obviously I have a ton of mentors as well because we're still pretty new. But, you know, I tell people, I'm like, I'm like, what's stopping you? Like, just do something. Right. Like I, I tell people all the time, like you have an idea, like you don't have a product, like fine, just put up a website and put a buy button on the website. And if somebody, if you, if a bunch of people start clicking on it, just have it go nowhere Just say, sorry, like we're out of stock or 404 or whatever. If you get a bunch of clicks, then go build the product. Right. Like, like people are so worried about the product side of things. It's like sales is harder. Like go find out what people want, test it, try it, do some different stuff, talk to your friends. Like uh, you also don't have to quit your job to start something, you know, start small, fail fast and figure out where you're going to go. Um, that's, that's sort of the, would be my advice, right? Just do something, <laughs> well, right? Don't, don't just think about it. And a lot of that, I went to Babson for my MBA, um, and that's very much the mentality that they train there. Um, and so I like to talk about that with people because I think that there's this mentality that, you know, the, 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 some of the things people think are important in starting a business 
it's not that they're not important. They're just not the most important thing. Like I can't tell you how many people have pitched me this amazing idea or product or thing or widget. And you ask them like, oh, cool. Like, well, what, like who wants that? Or like, what problem are you solving? And they, they haven't even thought about who needs this thing. <laughs> right, right. Right. And it's like, so, which is fine. Like it just, but just put it up. I tell people that all the time. You got an idea. It takes, it takes a hundred bucks and, and three days to, to put up a website right now. Right. There've never been more tools. Like get it up there. And that the creating the button with no product, um, is a trip advisor thing. One of the early product managers there, he, if somebody came and pitched him idea, an idea, he wouldn't give him the product until they got enough clicks on the button. He'd just give him a button on the website. Right? I mean, it's, and it's it makes like, sense. It's a real thing. Anyway, people think I'm crazy, but it does work. Well, it, it kind of leads to the whole like lean startup sort of philosophy, right? Where it's just like build the minimal version of it, get it out there and sell it. Because you're right. Because like if people aren't willing to pay you for it, then you don't have anything. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't like, uh, I can, there are, I'm sure there are a handful of startups up there that have failed because they had too much demand and couldn't fulfill the product. Uh, But it is much fewer than the alternative, which is startups with lots of product and no orders. Very, very true. And a lot of uh, wasted money. (laughs) Correct. Uh, So where do you see Parler in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Uh, I mean, we, we really built this business to operate it. We built it because of how passionate we are about creating products and building community. Um, you know, I think we'll continue to grow. I mean, we'd like to, we'd like to be one of the larger custom ski builders in the country. Certainly. I mean, we're already that in new England. Um, and I think we'd like to just keep growing the business to where we can support ourselves and our employees and, uh, continue to have fun with it. And it takes a lot of hard work, but I don't, I don't see the brand. Our goal is to not have the brand go beyond a scale where we can provide really unbelievable service to all of our clients. I love that. Now, what's the best part about running Parlor? Uh, there are two things. One is obviously product testing because there are very few things I like doing more than uh, skiing. <laughs> so <laughs> couldn't have said it better uh, myself. Getting to ski is pretty good. Uh, I mean, I don't see ski all that much, but I've been getting over 40 days a year and considering I have two kids under five, that's pretty good. And a business that and a business work a crap ton during ski season, <laughs> Correct, which is uh, words of wisdom. If you want to ski a lot, uh, get into a summer sport. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and then, uh, the other piece is I get to talk to people when they're buying toys, right? Like people who love skiing, call me to talk about skiing which makes my job super fun, right? Like I don't, I mean, and people are upset and we deal with that and that's, you know, part of the deal, but by and large, people are happy when they're talking to me and it's about something they care about. Um, and that makes a lot of my day to day, like super enjoyable. Oh, definitely. It's, uh, definitely a nice way to uh, spend your work day for sure. <laughs> now, um, for anyone listening, if you're listening before, um, April 16th, you can actually enter to win a snow, snowboard from Parlor. You just head over to redyeti.com for your chance to win. Um, and with that, Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of Parlor skis and now snowboards. Um, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to see what you guys do in the future. Great. Thanks for having me, Josh. It was a pleasure. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.